Welcome to The Trophy Life, the podcast that asks the question, aside from the awards and medals, what skills and benefits do participants gain from organized competition that offer them an advantage over those that sit on the sidelines? Welcome my guest today, Nick Castaneda. Uh, Nick is a former member of Team USA. He's an entrepreneur, successful businessman, dad, and all-around great guy. Welcome, Nick. Uh, how are you doing, Kelly? Thank you. Um, tell us a little bit about your skating background. How did you get into it, and um, what hooked you? What was there a hook like that you s- developed an interest? Well, probably an eventual hook, but I think it took time. My mom was a principal skater um, with ice capades for years, and then she went on to coach. And uh, my sister, who was a few years younger, started skating, and my mom wanted me to come with them because there was no one to watch at home as my dad was working. <laughs> and then um, she had me come and start skating and with the idea that I would skate pairs with her. I was kind of always tall. I was a big kid. And so uh, probably not to my with my will, but I, I ended up skating with her as sort of default partner. And that went on for a while till she was about um, 12. And then she stopped skating. I was about coming up on 15. And then I decided to get a new partner. And by then I wanted to continue. So okay. that's how I started. Now, what was, how, as a young man growing up in skating, how was it having a parent as a coach and being a skater? She wasn't our coach, actually. Um, She didn't believe in doing that. There was another coach um, named Jeanette Nelson. And Mm -hmm. what she did was she had, uh, Jeanette had kids as well. So she taught Jeanette's kids and Jeanette taught us so Mm -hmm. that they wouldn't be taking lessons from their own mom. And so it was more of a trading situation. So that was a perfect model for you to follow through with your own daughter, because you have a daughter now that's a competitive skater. She, she well, she's just coming up. She's a preliminary level now, so just a well, beginning. Well, we competitor. say competitive, yeah. Yeah, well, she has competitions, yeah. yeah. Um, and her coach is Jill Watson, and mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I definitely um, I wouldn't want to coach my own kid. Um, I just it's kind of tough. I think that the position of mom or dad's an important position too, um, not just not just coach, maybe even more so on the bad days. And um, I think that's tough. I'm not saying it can't work. You've seen it work. Uh, I think Ashley Kane works for her and maybe some other skaters, but mm-hmm. it definitely would be something that worked for me. And I, I also don't, um, I don't coach either. That's the other, that's the other thing. So right. I'm not involved that way. Well, I did some background search on you and I think that you have turned out for me at least to be like that forced gump of figure skating. Because when I search <laughs> images on you online, I see you next to Brian Boitano. I see you, ne- you know, opening a, a hotel and restaurant. I see you mm-hmm. with Christy. I see you with Ashley Wagner. I see you with Adam. I see you with um, so many, Michael Weiss. And mm-hmm. I see you connected. And then all of a sudden, I came across some interesting news about this. And I thought, you definitely are the forced gump of skating. You we're at the 1994 Joe Lewis Arena during the Nancy Kerrigan a- a- incident, the uh, assault. That's correct, so, yes. So tell, to bring us back to 1994 and tell us what was going on. How did you hear about it? How was security back in those days versus how it is now? Well, I was on the practice just before 
with the senior pairs. And it was just before mm -hmm. the um, Nancy and Tanya's practice where the assault happened. So right. we were in the locker room, actually, when that when that was happening. Um, no one knew because it's a large arena and we were uh, around there. And it actually it wasn't in the Cobo Hall, actually. It didn't happen in the in the Joe Lewis. I think it was I think it was Cobo Hall, if my memory serves me right. But that's next door. Um, but at the time, there really wasn't much security. I mean, as long as you mm -hmm. had a practice ice pass, anybody could walk down there walk by there you know you probably couldn't go in a locker room but aside from that right. it was a pretty open platform i know with the kids all of us we had games and things backstage to play play with and we could go to and from backstage on an elevator as long as you had a badge it's different now because once your event's over you're done and that's the end of it but it, it things have definitely changed and mm -hmm. um at that time i don't think anyone would have there would have been no reason to think of that and there's no history of anything like that happening really in sports yeah well we i think monica sellis at that time some in that yeah, period, tennis player. yeah mm -hmm. someone assaulted a, a fan um mm -hmm. you know a knife. with a knife right um yeah. and jumped onto the court, I think. Um, so th there had been, you know, that fear of athletes being assaulted by people that were, you know, unstable. But mm -hmm. this was so, because the, the whole plot seemed to be so diabolical as it, on, you know, we peeled away the layers of it. Mm -hmm. So did yeah. that change the way people looked at skating? As, because you were in the, you yeah. know, as a skater. So well, how, uh, I, I, I know... You know, at that time, skating was not, it was somewhat popular. I mean, it was right. doing better than now, but right after that, it really shot up. And mm -hmm. a lot of people were doing well with it, not just the top skaters, but right. all events were well attended because, you know, that, 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 that mostly that plot and storyline couldn't have been better because it was leading into the Olympics. Right. And, it, and, and I think, I still think the ratings of that short program, they're up there with, you know, the presidential debate, we'll see probably higher. I think mm -hmm. they're up there with the Super Bowl and World Cup type numbers. Mm -hmm. They're big, big numbers. Um, but that put a lot of, uh, viewers on in, into skating at that time and that lasted mm -hmm. for close to a decade i guess mm -hmm. you know where that that happened but yeah it was um it was a strange thing i mean i had known tanya when i was younger i don't know nancy well um but i did know her and she was always a rough kid but i didn't right. think of her as somebody that would maybe do that i mean you wouldn't think of anybody doing that right so yeah um uh, but it was a it was an interesting period i think you know for skaters it, it, a lot of these skaters i think have made their career from that they don't want to hear that but probably the case i mean if you, mm -hmm. for a while back then if you were watching adam would have been just really little then right he so, wasn't born i don't think oh wait, no no wait he was born he was four yeah okay four so really little so you may not have mm -hmm. been skating yet but there was tv specials on every weekend and it got to right. the point of saturation i think well i became probably. a huge fan I, Did you? you know, yeah, okay. yeah, of course. I was a huge fan, and I attended um, even before the kids were born. Um, the, those come Tom Collins tours with Jay oh, yeah, Trenery right. and Champions Karen Cadavy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. wonderful, yeah. I Tom, and Tom they were Collins. packed. Yeah, Tom Collins is a special guy, mm -hmm. and a family friend. He was my dad's best man in the wedding, actually. Uh, so there's another Forrest Gump thing. But yeah, I, I, wow. uh, I think I, I, I peed on his lap when I was two or three. That's what he used to tell me all the time, <laughs> seeing him. So, but uh, but he was yeah, he was a family friend, and he was a great guy. And it's a shame to see, you know, well, it happens to everyone. But he, mm -hmm. there's probably not been anyone who's had a bigger impact in pro skating than him. I mean, mm -hmm. he's probably number one. Yeah. So uh, and those those shows were always sold out as well. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. So. Oh, and it was I saw it at um, the um, oh, what is the place called in New Jersey? The Meadowlands. Meadowlands. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. It was uh, um, amazing. And then I think it was years later at the this you know the revived arena. Um, they did the Legends. 
and Adam was there and I sat um, where where the families were and I got to meet Michael Weiss's um, mom and his sister. Oh, Margie. they they said well that's another Forrest Gump for you because I know that you you know each other I do remember his mom saying it required a lot of discipline for Adam to break his training up and come all the way out to the east coast to perform in shows like this and then head back and train for nationals that were coming up in the following month and I was thinking gosh it requires so much discipline for my kids that were just attending they had to take time out of their studies you know give up a day so we could travel so um, discipline is important for all kids. How do you work in discipline techniques or habits for your children? Um, mm-hmm. I think the discipline that I tried to instill with them, both of them, uh, I try to keep them on schedules. And skating was great, especially mm-hmm. if you were in school for making you keep a schedule because you almost couldn't avoid one, especially right. in college. You really had no free time and you literally had to plan out your bathroom breaks and your food. And yeah. that was it for the whole day. And then you might have a day off on the weekend, but that that's the thing I think everyone gets out of skating. And I know so many parents set out to have their kid be a Olympic champion or, mm-hmm. you know, world competitor, whatever. And, and only very few kids are ever going to achieve that, but right. there's other things you can achieve through going through the process, whether mm-hmm. or not you make it to that level or not. And some of those things that you can achieve are a lot more sustainable than actually going to the Olympics or winning a medal for lo- your longer term career. Mm-hmm. So, and um, the toughest thing I do, which I, you know, I work at Merrill Lynch and I do work with a lot of the skaters now managing the ones that were successful back in the days, Tanya Harding and beyond, and even some of the ones currently. And the toughest thing for them to do is transition. It's really tough. Mm-hmm. And the better the skater, the harder the transition. So, um, so actually for me, I was, you know, slightly above average, so it's not as hard of a transition, but for those that are at the very top, it's kind of hard not to have be catered to. And every time you walk in somewhere, everyone wants to talk to you, they want your autograph and you become normal. And one of the tough things I think for them, um, and I won't mention names, but a lot of them is going back and having to go back to school. Cause they go, oh, I'll go back to school and do this. Well, wait a minute, you're competing now you're in your late twenties and you're competing with kids who've been going mm-hmm. to school every day. And they're mm-hmm. not only whether or not they're smarter than you, they're more trained, more disciplined, and they're going to beat you. You're not going to be able to beat them because when you get to master's level courses, now you're competing because mm-hmm. you rank order, right? right. So right. that's a tough thing to understand for some people. So you have to reinvent yourself. And there's been very few skaters that have been able to to do that. Some of them are right. doing it, but I think to, they have to go a whole new direction in order to do that. And they have to sort of hit bottom and come back. But you see right. with a lot of them that it's a really tough thing, but the discipline they have, I think, gives them the ability to get there. Right. Um, you know, and you look at some of the people have gone on. I mean, Michelle Kwan's gone on to work with, uh, you know, po- politics. You might mm-hmm. be a big part of the Biden campaign. Policy, now. right. And State Policy, Department. That mm-hmm. goes in. Um, Sasha Cohen is working at uh, for a mutual fund for Morgan Stanley. She went on mm-hmm. to Columbia and got her degree there. And she's doing pretty well. So, you know, uh, Brian, he's gone on to be entrepreneurial and do all kinds mm-hmm. of different things where he's mm-hmm. been TV shows. He works with me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does a lot of, you know, so there are skaters that go on to do that, but one of the toughest things, it's kind of like the, the jock in high school, right? And he gets mm-hmm. through high school and he's the quarterback mm-hmm. and he ends up not going to college, but he's always wanting to relive those high school days. And right. that, that can get you stuck rather than looking forward. And, right. um, you know, and then, and plus you don't have your coach there to monitor your life, your parents. Now you don't live with them anymore. And right. I think it can be kind of lonely and, and, and sort of, uh, defeating too. So that's, a, right. that's a transition, but I think the real benefit comes for the the strugglers, the people that, you know, maybe you, you, you're not always winning. You know, one of the right. things in Las Vegas, they the most powerful thing there is, is, um, is, uh, intermittent reinforcement. So when that's mm-hmm. what slot machines are built on, right. You, yeah. You're going to put in $300. You're probably going to lose 200, but you might hit 500 or 600. Right. So that intermittent reinforcement is a very strong motivator. It's more 
it's a lot stronger than getting what you want. And some of these people, like, let's face it, some of them never lose or don't lose often. And then when they finally do lose right. in life or somewhere else, they have a hard time with it. But those people that are used to losing over and over again, which I could say I was one of those and I continue to be one of those as I started mm -hmm. my career. The, 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 the thing you have to do, though, is to keep pushing forward slowly because a lot of people aren't willing to work hard and they're not willing to accept failure. Mm -hmm. um, when I started it, um, the way I started, we didn't have any leads when you started, you, you, you had to find your own clients um, and they would give you a phone book because they didn't want to buy you leads because they didn't want to waste money on you in case that, you know, it wasn't going to be worth anything. Mm -hmm. And that's when you could still call cold, cold call from the phone book. And I was calling 300 people a day and I got onto something that no one else got onto. And it was one night I figured it out. Um, there's a reverse directory. I live in Arizona and it's Sun City. All the people mm -hmm. came from other places. So I flipped the directory and I found people that lived in Illinois, for example. A mm -hmm. lot of them they were coming here. Mm -hmm. So I looked up Illinois Power. We had a bond for Illinois Power. So we'd call these people in Sun City, Arizona about mm -hmm. an Illinois Power bond. And right. usually you're going to hang up on somebody. But if you've just moved to Arizona and someone calls you in something comfortable from where you're from, Illinois Power, you're going to be at least say to them, well, I'm from Illinois or something like that. And right. they did. And then we would start talking and I said, well, you know, you live there. Did you have Illinois power? Yeah, we did. Well, did you pay your utility bill? Yes, I always paid it. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine that these people might pay their bonds then since other people are paying, they'd laugh. And, but you'd end up opening accounts. So I started opening accounts, but I had to be resilient and because and, there's rejection was probably, right. you know, 98% of the time, probably. So right. I'm completely not bothered by rejection. That doesn't bother well, me. So I uh, yeah, I don't think you're processing it as. I think you're processing it as like, um, you know, like an exfoliation of everything that's not working. And then you're going right. to take, you know, the core of what works and move forward. But that's so interesting because that cleverness, you know, that cr the, the ability to critically think is something that skaters do develop because mm -hmm. let's say the compressor shut down and there's like a, you know, a really um, soft spot in the one corner, mm -hmm. you're able to reverse your program or you're able to um, revert, you know, take out a certain lift or something like mm -hmm. that. So you're able to critically think and to optimize what you have. Mm -hmm. And I do think that those subtle skills kind of get in your skin and being able to, like you say, um, think critically, but there's one more thing above that is rapport building. And mm -hmm. working as a pair, you definitely have your work cut out for you. Now, what, what advice do you have? Or what did you learn from being a pair skater about as rapport pair, building? Yeah, um, you mentioned that you have a lot of people involved, you have the girl, yourself, your parents, their parents, and yeah. some coaches. There's a right. lot of there's a lot of places to slip up with personalities, and I'm not saying I never did because I did. But with I think what you have to do is just try and like in any relationship, put the other person first. And if you can do that, right. you can put every person above yourself. You end up elevating yourself. It just happens yeah. that way. And so I think that. And I wish I would have known. Like now, I think I mm -hmm. could go back and be a lot better at things than I was back then because I, you know, you'd think about what's better for me sometimes, which comes natural. Right. And um, and now I, I definitely don't do that anymore. Um, and uh, it's really helped with employees. I, I try to put all my employees above myself, think of them first. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you get extreme retention and um, loyalty, which is what right. you need in any kind of business anyway. Right. Um, so now I've had a lot of my employees on average 20 years and they're still with me. And, you know, I, and they wouldn't work anywhere else because right. you treat them good, you know, and right. if, uh, but you, I think that's the difficult thing is mostly to try and put other, other people first and think about the needs of your, whether it's your partner or your coach first. And at that point, their defenses go down. And I wasn't always great at that. I became right. better at that.
Well, I think as yeah. we age, we we develop and we can um, improve our empathy skills. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, being in the, the skin of another person to see it from their perspective. So f- for sure, that has to happen mm-hmm. with, um, with pairs. Now, there is something when I was digging back and talking to see some of your contemporaries from um, back in your day, they said that you had a very um, uncanny ability to keep your eye on your partner, but yet still connect out. So I know like that Tyra Banks has her expression she calls smize with smiling with the eyes. Well, I have coined a phrase called twice because I think that is your ability to do have your eyes have the uh, divergent focus one with the audience and one on your partner. Now, how did you do that? I didn't know I did, but I, and when I look at it now, maybe that's a mm-hmm. metaphor for me looking out for everyone that's around me as well as, uh, for what, what's going on. Um, mm-hmm. but I, 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 I do try to take into consideration what other people think. I think my parents always tried to make us think about, you know, look, be, be aware of our environment and what was mm-hmm. going on and other people, you know, when someone comes over, Maybe they would like some ice cream. You know, serve yourself mm-hmm. last and and right. look out for what's going on. And I think the role of a of a pair for me when when I look at my favorite pair skaters or ice dance men, yeah, they disappear. I don't see them. Right. Uh, uh, Sergey Grinkov to me is the greatest. I mean that I've, that I've ever right. seen. I think he's amazing. Uh, the 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 French what's the French ice dancer now? Cizeron. Um, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He, he disappears. Mm-hmm. You, 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 and, you know, and I feel like the great and it's hard for him to disappear because he's really good looking, too. Yes. So. Yes. So. But 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 he does appear to be a backdrop. And for me, I think that's the role of a good male mm-hmm. pair skater. Uh, when I look Scott at Scott Moyer dance, was like that for me. Yeah. Yeah. He just. Right. Dis- yeah. I saw yeah, Scott Moyer is another great yeah. one. You just focus on the girl. But you, he, if you if you choose to look at him, he looks perfect. Yes. But you but he's but he's a, he's a, uh, an accessory. Right. You know. Right. So, yeah, um, he's like a spotlight. Like. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's what I like to see in a pair or a dance male mm-hmm. skater when I watch that. And then, you know, to see the girl be more of the focus uh, right. rather than, you know, a shadow pair or something like that. Right. Now, the, when Adam was younger, he was at University of Delaware. So um, Ron Ludington was there. Ron Ludington, and he would yeah. say to me jokingly, you know, because I'm small, I'm short and small. Mm-hmm. And he would say, you were a pair skater, weren't you? And of course, I was not. But right. he, we would get into these conversations where he was sitting in the bleachers watching and we would sit together and he would talk to me about there's a certain personality for a woman who's a pair skater because it's fearlessness. But he yeah. said for the man to, to be able to have... Um, that fearlessness plus in body trust in that other person. The, she has to believe you're a hundred percent that you would take a bullet for her. And mm-hmm. so how does that, um, how do you balance the, you know, the um, risk versus impulse, you know, of, of, you know, getting that trust going and, um, knowing, you know, to take risk, but to have sensibility about it. I think that's where the coach comes in because the coach is going to watch you and, and tell you when, you know, you're maybe something's too dangerous or your techniques mm-hmm. off and that kind of thing. So I think a lot of that, the coach will, will sort of uh, put you in a position. And I, I, um, my, my coach was a guy named Tommy Allen, who skated professional as a Daggio in the ice show, mm-hmm. but I also took some lessons from, uh, 
Roger Bass and John Nixon, California, which were big rivals of Ron Ludington. So I'm real mm -hmm. familiar with Ron Ludington because he had most of the good competitors in, uh, in skating at the time. So um, I, I am familiar with him. Now, Color Urbanski was probably who he was referring right. to because she was like a real, real tough pair yeah. skater and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And she's still around. And, and Tiffany Scott was her, there too. Tiffany, Tiffany Scott. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So there's been several. Delaware, you know, had a lot of, a lot of mm -hmm. great skaters, but I think, I think it's up to, that's one of the, in pairs, real important to have the coach look out for the safety of the girl because right. and, and if, if that, you know, the, the girl's going through a lot there. And um, when you think about it in a program, mm -hmm. she's doing, in these days, they're doing triple jumps and she's doing split triple twist and two throw triple jumps and, and quad. The, the quad, quad throws now, yeah. quad throws as well. Mm -hmm. So the girls, and really, when you add those up at the end, plus all the lifts and the spins, doing as much as the male mm -hmm. skaters, if you add that yeah. up. So I think it's quite a bit going on there. Yeah. But um, I, I, you know, I've always been um, sort of a, a, a fan of uh, pairs where they where they seem like one, but yes. the man disappears. That's just my own mm -hmm. sort of. Uh, mm -hmm. preference but everyone has their own you know um but that's the way i who are your all-time favorites in pair or singles both we'll start with pairs um in in pairs g and g i, um, I think probably right gordy even green cup yeah. yeah i liked Arthur dimitriev also they they oh were my really gosh good. yes uh, i thought they were great um and singles um probably dice k i think yeah. as, as a skater because he reminded Takashi? me Takashi, yeah, yeah, Dice Takashi. Yeah. He reminded me of someone who who could was a dancer that happened to do great jumps in between. Yeah, but he always seemed like he was perfectly choreographed and yeah. smooth, mm -hmm. uh, and very smooth. My all-time favorite performance, though, I don't think there'll ever be one that beats it. It's Rudy Galindo winning the nineteen ninety-six national championship. Yep. And I don't think there's anyone that, if you ask me someone close, I, could, I can't come up with second for mm -hmm. so many different mm -hmm. reasons. I mean, that year he was mm -hmm. ranked, I think, 11th in the country mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And, and um, he, he really, in the short program, they don't talk about this, but he should have won the short program too. Mm -hmm. But the judges just didn't want it. They weren't ready for that. And then when he came to win it, and you know, he was living in a trailer around the corner from the arena, had been training with his sister because he didn't have money. Both coaches died. Uh, Jim Gulick, yes. who I also trained with, and Ricky Inglesi, who both died. His brother had died of AIDS. Uh, his mother was having breakdowns. He was, you know, by far for me, that was the best story. I don't, I don't think anyone wasn't crying. And my brother was with me. My brother's a big mm -hmm. football player. Mm -hmm. He was crying because mm -hmm. he knew Rudy and he was watching. And, you know, and I grew up growing up with Rudy and I just seen how, how hard he worked to, mm -hmm. to continue. And it was almost like at that point, everyone had said he should stop. And right. um, it, it, like basically, you know, Adam on his tough years where people kind of mm -hmm. write him off. And it, right. but it was worse than that because he was just, Right. You know, he'd been with the pair. He was losing and, his support, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And mm -hmm. then he was training, I guess, in the mornings because they were giving him ice and his sister could help him, but she was working too. It was just a, a great, great story. Yeah. And um, to see him, you know, win in front of everyone in San Jose, uh, that was, uh, and then go on to get third at Worlds after that. Yeah. But but that, but th forget the Worlds, the, the, that, that performance yeah. there was by far, and it was a comfortable performance. During one of, during the performance, the kind of guy he is, he was doing a spiral on one end and you could hear a pin drop because he hadn't missed anything and everyone was on edge because you knew if he missed something, he wasn't going to win because right. Todd Eldridge was there. And some girl said, hey, Rudy, and you heard him and he just waved to her like while he was doing spiral, you know, wow. it was a crazy yeah. connection that he had. In and the standing ovation went on for, I, I mean, they were yelling yeah. at the judges. If they, I think I think that would have been a bigger scandal than Tanya Harding if, if they'd not let him win. I think they would have thrown things at the judges because it was that. <laughs> You know, were you heavy. there? Were you in the arena? Yeah, because I competed there. So okay, I, right I didn't there. know. Yeah. Okay, I didn't in know if you were still yeah. competing then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I saw it on television, which is yes. a little bit different. Um, no, I was there, just there with in the skater section there. 
So, um, but yeah, that was incredible. So Rudy's one of my, not, not, he's not my favorite skater because he's my favorite skater. It's my favorite story. Story. Yeah. yeah. There's no need, you know, a lot of times, especially, um, as you know, cause you know, a lot of the top skaters, they will take a fluff piece and they will, you know, stretch it, not, not so much embellish yeah. it, but they'll, they'll shine a light where it's, you know, it, it generates some. Uh, a, a soft spot in someone's heart it, with his oh. story. It's so dynamic and unbelievable that um, there's n- no need to embellish a sentence in his story because he really did overcome so much in that his whole story of, um, you know, the AIDS epidemic at that time, oh. it just tells so much about where uh, like that slice of history Right. And, you know, he was always openly gay as well. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like it, but but at the time, that wasn't what the judges were ready for. Right. I mean, today, luckily today, it's just not really even a storyline anymore, which was great because right. it shouldn't be. But at the time, that was another thing that played into it. Oh, he was too feminine or he was too, right. you know, and he just that performance was you just couldn't take anything from it. There was right. it left them with no choice. And we love seeing the judges with no choice. Right. Yes. Just that they just, basically could put their pencil down and they had to give them the win. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't, I, I think it could have really ruined a lot for the time. And they yes. luckily, not all of them did, but mo- the majority did give him the win. Yes. So he, he got that. And, um, and that, and that was great. That was great to see. And, and like he coaches now and I know he, he enjoys that and mm-hmm. everything, but every time nationals is in San Jose, which is a shame this year, cause yeah. it's in San Jose and there may not be fans, right. but I feel like that's a, that's a, like that was a completion in a chapter book for him, right. you know? And, and he's able to, you know, to move on from there. And um, yeah. I think that's what everyone wants is to sum up their their story and then move on to the next chapter. Right. Because right. there, there can be more chapters and um, mm-hmm. and there will be. So mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah. And then I guess I didn't choose a female skater. My fate. Well, there's so many good ones there. But I, I Jill Trenary, which you might not remember her. Uh, but you know, These boots are made for walking. Are you kidding me? That exhibition yeah, yeah. is still in my brain. I love her. Yeah. Well, I she was just overall gorgeous. And at the same time, yeah. she was a good skater. And I with the women skating, I, I really I'm not into watching 12, 13 year olds rotate four times and yeah. have nothing else about them. And yeah. she was uh, I don't know. She was great to me. That, yeah. that was probably my favorite skater. Yeah, Female. I loved that exhibition that she did, the mm-hmm. uh, Nancy Sinatra. Um, yeah. But uh, a shout out to Rudy, too, because we're Instagram friends. And um, okay. he wrote such a beautiful note to me after the Olympics, like, you know, on Instagram. Yeah, um, right. And uh, he is, without him having the courage at the time that he did, um, I think a lot of skaters wouldn't um, have the confidence to... Mm. Um, you t- speak in their true voice, and I, I right. you know, things things started obviously before Rudy, but Rudy just didn't let it go. You know, sometimes right. people might start something and then get pulled back by judges or by family, but he had um, he had the confidence, you know. And yeah. there's there's nothing greater um, than we were. I was talking about this with someone earlier today. There's nothing. Um, greater than the gift that we can we can take from loss because when right. things are taken away, you truly um, lose your ability to be um, selfish and you know you have such a great perspective on life that 
you honestly see priorities and you see like the, the rawness of the investment that he made and his family made in him. And he honored yeah. that. So, I mean, I just think it, like you said, that probably is one of the most beautiful uh, stories. Well, it is. It's a great, I mean, it's a great story. And then, you know, all the loss around him and the adversity that was going mm -hmm. on. And, and I, I didn't mention his dad also died. So mm -hmm. there was, uh, and, you know, and, and he, he wasn't even staying at the official hotel. It was too expensive. He was right. back at his trailer. And, you know, and it was just after that, you know, he and Tom Collins obviously loved it and he was there. And so he right. got picked up by him. And that was, you know, still during the heyday of skating. So he did right. well from that. Right. And um, I, I, you know, I don't know that, that and knowing him growing up with him and everything and knowing, you know, what a talent he was and everything. It was good to see him finish off on that kind of a note, mm -hmm. you know, so, um, so that, you know, that, that was great. Well, with a lot of parents in skating today, the, there are a lot of different ways. And I talk to different people, especially in finance, about um, trying to afford skating, coming up with um, manageable budgets. But what we really rarely address in skating or advise people that have um, never ending, you know, that, that are blessed enough to have a proverbial money tree in their yard. How mm -hmm. do you raise kids like that? What do you, how do you advise parents that when money isn't an issue, how do you not raise entitled kids? How do you keep them humble? How do you keep them empathetic? How do you keep um, them understanding value of investment or expectation or setting goals? How do you do that? Well, my kids are, they're only eight and 10, but I, mm -hmm. I, I tell you, it's, there's not an open, you know, we don't just get toys because we get a toy. I mean, we have to right. earn, earn a toy. Mm -hmm. uh, there's chores that we have to do and that, that type of thing, which right. may or may not come with a financial reward. You mm -hmm. do live there. It is your room. You get food and uh, lessons. <laughs> and that kind of thing. So no, I mean, it's yeah. part of the team, right? Um, I'm not, I used to be great at doing chores when I was a kid. I don't like them that much anymore. So I do right. have a housekeeper and I do have gardeners right. and that kind of thing, which, which makes it a little tougher. But one thing I, I, my kids, I, I don't, I don't have them without getting too far into it. Inheritance mm -hmm. is going to be matching money. So right. they're not going to get anything that they don't earn. Right. Uh, there is a factor on it though. Right. So if, if you, and this is we're funny, cause I'm just updating my trust now, but, and I got this idea from a client I had who was very wealthy and I mm -hmm. liked it. So I, I, I copied it, but what's going to happen is they, there's certain things that they have to do going through their phase of their life. And in order to be part of that, or if there's something left when mm -hmm. my wife and I pass away, they're going to get that. And it's going to be paid out from a trust company based on their earnings. So if you're earning no money and your art, then you're going to get nothing. Right. And that's the way it is. Now, if you're a school teacher, which I think is just as important as being a surgeon, possibly more at the moment, right. uh, you're going to get a factored payout that'll be higher. So if your sister's a surgeon and you're a teacher, you can still get the mm -hmm. same amount of money. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I, I do teach them about money all the time. Uh, there's a game from Robert Kiyosaki called Cash Flow, and mm -hmm. you can play this game and it teaches you a little bit about that. And I do talk to my daughter seems to have my son's not that interested. My daughter seems to have an affinity for it. She seems mm -hmm. to like like to know why is this? How is this created? But you have to talk to them about it. And I know money seems it's a very private thing that people right. keep private. Right. And parents don't even I mean, I have clients who don't even tell their kids. Then they pass away and then kids find out that they had all this money. And I think at some point there's a good thing to have a family conversation and whether you don't mm -hmm. have any or you have a little, whatever you have, it's a hundred percent of what you have. And it's important for everyone to be on, on board with that and to know right. what that is. Right. So I, I do talk to the kids where I'm not overly uh, spending. I live in the same house that I lived in when I was in my twenties that I purchased in a middle-class mm -hmm. neighborhood. I've never moved on to a big mansion because I can't get income from a mansion. Right. Uh, and I like to buy things that pay me income. 
And so I live in Brooke probably disagree with me, but I live in the same house. <laughs> That's and, your and, wife, uh, by the way. Yes. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. But, um, I do live in the same house and I have a manageable, very manageable mortgage payment for what I right. earn and that kind of thing. And so I think, but that comes from growing up with not having, with having limited resources, right. and I still kind of live the same way and yeah. I still think the same way and, and I'm trying not to be, trying not to be wasteful. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's something that I, you know, I tell the kids and we, we try to get them to do. And what makes it easier is they go to school with middle-class kids as well. So there's right. not really a push. I mean, my son's best friend's dad's a policeman. Right. Um, I, I, and my daughter's cheap mom works at the bank. Uh, you right. know, they're, 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 we're not living in amongst a lot of wealthy people. So, right. um, I don't live on the wealthy side of town either. So, uh, I live on the West side and that's known as the working class side. So it's a little easier that way. Right. Um, now when, you know, they find it, it's a little inconsistent. My daughter asked me recently, dad, how can we live here? And we have, you know, a hotel and a skyscraper and yeah. all these questions. Right. I said, well, that's because I, we, we enjoy investing. We want to put people to work. We want to employ right. people. You know, we want people to have jobs. And one of my goals is to employ a thousand people. That's my list. I want to have a thousand people working. And so that's why we do it. Not you, because that's so great because you know what you're teaching her aspiration is inspiration, you know, to have mm -hmm. a goal is to motivate toward that goal. And that's, that's great parenting. Yeah. And that's my goal. And I, I'm real careful. Like I want my daughter and son both to think they can do what they want to do. And I told my son, you know, early on, my son and I, we used to like to watch Barishnikov because I turned him on. I love watching Barishnikov anyway. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. could do 28 spins from a standstill. Yeah, yeah. And so my son was, was sort of into that, you know, for a while. That's really cool. And, and he was watching that. And I mm -hmm. thought about it. I said, well, you know, we can put you into ballet classes and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And he never got into, they end up getting into um, soccer right away. And he kind of liked soccer and football. So he right. went that direction, but I don't want my daughter to think, well, I can't be a uh, president of a company or I can't right. be, I can't be a, a, a scientist or, right. or, or she wants to be an architect at the moment. Right. Well, most of them are men, but why not? Yeah, you can be right. an architect. I mean, we were walking in San Diego and she says, Oh, I really like this yacht had a helicopter on it. You know, how can mm -hmm. I get one of those? I said, well, she said, do I save money? I said, we well, have to create something. You have to create right. something. You, you can't get that. No one's going to pay you enough to have that. But if that's something you want, maybe you want to be an architect. You need to approach people that build very large buildings and you need to become good at it. And that's, and then you might, you know, if you're building buildings in Dubai and you're, you mm -hmm. know, and Hong Kong, there's a possibility. Yeah. So then I showed her Dubai and Hong Kong, but I think that's what you have to do. Like I have unrealistic expectations anyway. I start, I think differently. I start with the end in mind and then what builds into the end. You that's, know, and that's you know what I do the same when my kids were young, I, it wasn't, um, it wasn't like you let's hopefully you'll make this Keystone State Games. I was like, yeah, if you want to go to the Olympics, this is how you have to do it. Let's start mm -hmm. at the Olympics and work our way back. Right. And that's um, the best way to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you do that, you'll change your mind and decide it's not worth it. Right? That's right. You know, so one of them, they'll say, OK, my son, I want to own a Ferrari. OK, well, you can own a mm -hmm. Ferrari. It's going to cost you about four thousand mm dollars -hmm. a month for the payment, plus your insurance, right. plus this and that. And you have to earn this amount. Hmm, okay, I might not. I don't want it that yeah. much. Maybe I'll rent a Ferrari. Right. You know? So right. There, there's different ways to to look at it, and and uh, I think that. But the the goal is important with every person. I, I work mm -hmm. with seniors too, and mm -hmm. I had a lady who was um, in very good shape, health, physical physical mm -hmm. shape. She was 99 years old. Wow. And she was starting to tell me that she's from New York and mm -hmm. really small, feisty woman. And she said, I'm starting to, you know, be depressed and mm. everyone's dying around her. Right. Obviously, yeah. her friends and that kind of thing. And I said, well, you know, you need younger friends and you need a job. That's what mm. you need to get a job. Right. And she said, well, who's going to hire a 99 year old? I said, well, I'll find somebody. You know, mm -hmm. I called. So I, I called Goodwill because I knew somebody that worked there. Mm -hmm. And he said, 
well, is she physically? I said, yeah, she's fine. I said, mm-hmm. she needs to work two days a week. She can separate, you know, clothes or whatever. She got a job at Goodwill. Yeah. And uh, she ended up keeping that job until she died. And she loved it. And she wasn't yeah. depressed. And somebody told me something that uh, that resonates is uh, purpose is the antidote to despair. Exactly. And that's, that's true. If you, mm-hmm. There's no one with a purpose that's depressed because it's you got to, first of all, if you have a purpose and you focus on others, you can't be depressed because you're too busy focusing on mm-hmm. other people, you know, what's going mm-hmm. going well for other people. It's when you take time to think about yourself too much, you need to think about yourself, that that starts to happen. So, and I've always found when I get upset or depressed, usually I'm focusing on myself and not worried mm-hmm. about others. And that's that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but purpose is a big thing. So that my hope with my kids, and I'm not at all a perfect parent, but I just hope that they grow up to be, uh, mm-hmm. first of all, nice people that care about others, yeah. that treat people equally and give everyone a chance. And right. then- Hopefully that they're doing something that they love to do all day, whatever that right. is. Yeah. Tell yeah. them that they're special, but so is everybody else, right? Yeah. 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 Everyone's special. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, but I mean, there's, I mean, there's a lot of kids have grown up, I think, just being told they're special. And then when they find out, hey, well, yeah. you know. I'm not the only one. Here. Right. Yeah. 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 No, so I, uh, I love the fa- the fact that you were talking about start with the end in mind, because that, rem- um, you know, in my book, I talk about taking the corporate training models and bringing it into as a parenting philosophy. And that sounds to me a lot like Stephen Covey. Are you a fan oh, yeah, of seven the seven of, habits? Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Win-win and start with the end in mind are part of the um, right. strategies and, and that he professes. It. Yeah. 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 Well, too, I think too many people, like the problem is it, people that are in school, they teach you, you're ranked, first of all, and the smartest kids are the kids that can follow directions the best. Right. The people that can do what the teacher wants. They're the ones that get the best grades because you have to do that. Then the ones that maybe aren't so great. And I was, you know, I was a Mm -hmm. B student. I wasn't one of the better students. I wasn't the worst either. But but you have to think outside the box and people that are following exactly. You know, Mm -hmm. you can become a great engineer, but you can't become a great entrepreneur because no one's going to lead you to what you need to do. Right. And you need to be someone has to have a vision. And the vision has to be slightly unrealistic. And then you have to build in behind it and find the people that can help fill in the box for you. And I think that's what, you know, I think that's what I've been able to do. That's now you're going to fail a lot too, because that's going to come with Mm -hmm. it. You know, you're going to fail, but if you keep going, you haven't really failed. You know, COVID has been a big test for a lot of people, right? How are you, how have you been managing? Yeah. How have you been managing? Well, well, I had to shut the hotel down for uh, four months and, um, but luckily, 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 mm-hmm. the employees were getting accelerated benefits, so that was great right. for them. Now that's changing, and and the government's taken too long to come out with a, another plan. Mm-hmm. But we reopened. We're doing fairly well. Some weekends, weekdays are slow because there's no business travel. When we had to, uh, you know, mm-hmm. figure it out and sort of manage manage our budget. But then, mm-hmm. you know, on other sides of it, my stock market's been good. So I've been doing well there. That's been pretty mm-hmm. good. But it's a, it's it's not just that. I think it's the mental part of it of yeah. people losing their job. Um, you know getting laid off. And mm-hmm. let's face it, my dad used to work for the unions and he, uh, electricians union and the, also a staging union. And he would get laid off sometime. And he said, listen, laid off, you can call it, it's fired. You call it what mm-hmm. you want, downside. Yeah. You're out of work, right? right. You're still out of work. And, yeah. and I think that we're going to get to a point here where if things don't change soon, the depression that's going to set in from that with people yeah. not having work is tough. You got divorces, domestic violence. There's a mm-hmm. lot of things that will stem from that. Mm-hmm. So uh, but I, I'm, we're doing okay. I mean, I wouldn't say it's definitely not a banner year, but I'm, I'm optimistic that in the next right. you know couple of years, things will get better and we'll just keep pushing through it. So right. uh, my main thing is to try to keep the employees uh, and their families, you know, eating and living mm-hmm. and, and see what we can do. We're doing the best we can there uh, to try and keep that going. Um, I, I managed not to cut salaries. And that's one thing I really didn't want to do uh, right. because it's, it's, you know, it's, 
tough for people right now. And a lot of, I, you know, I think the really tough thing, and I admire you because mm-hmm. to be a single mom, I think mm-hmm. it's definitely the hardest job there is. People say, mm-hmm. oh, it's the hardest thing to be a mom. No, it's not. It's the hardest thing to be a single mom and have mm-hmm. to work and maintain your kids yeah. and, and try to take care of yourself and do all those things. And I have a lot of single moms that, you know, I, I, they're depending, I mean, they'll be let down if they lose mm-hmm. their job and they, and bad enough to have the kids at home with, you know, from school, like they did right, and figuring right. that out, you pay a babysitter. And by the time you come home, you have no money left, right. you know? So that's a real consideration to me. And I think them and having, uh, making a living and taking care of their family with my goal of a thousand employees right. gainfully employed is a lot more important than me making another million or 2 million or something. That's a lot. Right. It's a lot more impactful. Right. Yeah. You make it work, you know, cause I know for me to be my priority was to be available and to be present for the kids. And Mm -hmm. so I had four part-time jobs. So I was able to do them like while they were sleeping or early in the morning or while they were in school or, and it had flexibility that I could travel and go on their field trips and travel with Adam Mm -hmm. and things like that. So um, it wasn't the most lucrative uh, way or the greatest, um, you know, a runway to establish a career later in life, but yeah. it really established a great connection with me and all of my kids. So, yeah. um, I'd say, I'd say you're doing all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, you know what? I will say it is, it's so funny because I'll talk to, you know, I talked to Adam the other day and we were all on a Zoom for one of my kids, the, their birthday, yeah. you know, and, yeah. um, we've been having the Zoom and, um, then, he was laughing because his brother, every time he's, he's in on a speakerphone, he'll say, hello, Dolly, let me make you a turkey sandwich. And I, and I said, I don't say that. And he <laughs> said, Mom, every time I come home, that's the first thing you say to me is, oh, Dolly, you look hungry. Let me make you a turkey sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's still like I'm in that middle where a lot of, you know, the three of them are off, you know, in, in big yeah. metropolitan cities in New York and L.A. and uh, D.C. And then um, three had to come home from college so because my yeah. daughter was in France during this. So right. she had yeah. to. Uh, so it is it's the pandemic as much as like sometimes I walk around with my shoulders up like the tension is uh, it, it, the anxiety and things like that. It comes and goes. But yeah. we've been trying to make the most of it, and um, uh, it, it hurts having a medical person in the family because my my one son is you know in yeah. epidemiology, so he tells us the truth, and sometimes yeah. we really don't want to accept that truth. But yeah, well. we have all been incredibly um, aware of yeah. where you know not to go too many places and to uh, stay in our own bubble. Like even we visited. Yeah my son in DC. And when we went down, um, we stayed outside, we all kept our masks on. Um, We never went inside his building or anything like that. We didn't, we didn't eat together. Um, We just walked, you know, we walked on the river. And then um, he went his way and we went our way. And, and um, that was as that's as much as we could do. I mean, as far as Adam, we're no one's getting on a plane going to California. So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And and you know, I feel especially bad for seniors that are, you know, older mm-hmm. that can't see their kids mm-hmm. and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And uh yeah, you know, you want to give them a hug, you want to do those yeah. kind of things. And yeah, and then it's tough. And you think luckily you now Zoom and things like that do mm-hmm. help a lot, right? Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. it's not a complete substitute, but it is better than twenty five years ago if this would right. have been happening. You yeah. Know? So 
So that and part, it was that tough. Part is good. But we lost my mom to COVID yeah, during the summer. Sorry to hear and about, yes, sorry to hear and about that. the whole, you know, I, I, I feel so badly for, um, you know, young uh, parents that are losing their young children and um, young kids that are losing their parents um, because the, there is no um, funeral. You know, there, mm-hmm. for us, there couldn't be because yeah. she was in Florida. So yeah. that, you know, it's such a, it's, no it's real such closure. a closure. Yeah, yeah. 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 So there's more thinking. And that's one thing the pandemic, like you're a strategist. So I think your coping skills are probably a lot better than someone who has to be told what to do all the time because you are strategizing and thinking creatively. Well, Maybe, but I did lose my mom too a few years ago, and it's not that's not an easy thing at all mm-hmm. for anyone, right? Yeah, you know, because because especially she's the center of everyone's life. That you yeah. know, and that that's a tough one, and and you don't you don't really get over it. I mean, every day you think about something to do yeah. with it, or you think about the kids do something, you think, oh, I wish my mom could have seen that. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, or you forget uh, luckily, and think, oh, I'm going to save that for my mom, and then you realize, yeah. no, you're not. Yeah. Yeah, and initially yeah. you go to call her and you're like, oh, that's right, I can't call, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a rough one, mm-hmm. you know, for everybody and something everyone faces at one point, you know? But then, mm-hmm. you know, you look back on all the memories and then that's what you, that's what you got to live on, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's just, that's just the way things are. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, yeah, this COVID, I really hope we can get a vaccine that's works and that's mm-hmm. effective and right. not one that's just smashed together just to do it. Right. One that really is effective and right. to be able to get people to regather because, there is some, I think there's some mental risk longer term if we go on another year or two for really difficult for people to, yeah. to you know, handle. Yeah. Um, and especially elderly, really important for them. Right. To have Agreed. Some you know, yeah. just like um, you're in the financial industry and you're thinking out of the box. I know two of my kids are in the arts and um, they are, you know, they say that it's going to be on the entertainers and the artists mm-hmm. and the cre- and the and the cre- the people who create new ideas um, of engagement that are going to lift us, you know, mm-hmm. lift our um, mood and our spirit mm-hmm. through this. And she's a, a in grad school at CalArts, and they mm-hmm. are determined to, you know, collectively come up with avenues because her entire industry is shut down you know the right right yeah 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 so, I, come, I manage a pension fund for the iatse which is a stagehands union and yeah they're just yeah. at an absolute standstill and i'm the man yeah. of the work and and there is just literally just literally no work and it's right. difficult and yeah. you know they're gonna have to go do something different and it, it, it is tough though that mm-hmm. that hasn't come back and and um you know i understand why it hasn't come back but at yeah. some point you know, there's a real strain on people. So hopefully we get to the point where, you know, there is a vaccine and, and it works and people, we can get back to our, uh, right. you know, daily lives um, right. because it right now it, it is stressful. And, and I'm not allowed to meet clients in person. I haven't seen right. any since March 16th um, and probably be a lot longer than that as looks looking the numbers for today. Yeah. I don't know if you saw we're 70,000. Uh, new cases that's not going the oh, right boy. direction no. could be a hundred thousand by Chris yeah. by you know holidays yeah. so uh so it's not it's not going well um right. but you know I think we need to be able to say it's 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 not going well and right. we need to do something about it so that's another thing I think is big with people is um and that mm-hmm. is honesty and just being upfront because mm-hmm. uh it's for some reason it's rare but I, I'd rather hear just mm-hmm. the facts here's what's happening this that's exactly people, right yeah mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but we need to know what's going on right so right um yeah 
So all of those things, we're going to wrap this up in um, some of those skills that you brought from your trophy life, resiliency, um, being mm. able to be creative, flexible, think on your feet, literally mm. think on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, how is how are those things making? How did those things give you that advantage now in your professional career and as a dad? Um, I think you know the main thing I've discovered the last few years, which things have gone a lot better for me, mm-hmm. is is the first thing I told you to stop thinking about myself because start thinking about mm-hmm. others, and that usually takes care of it. The other thing I did is I set out. And I made a goal, um, a, new, a resolution two years ago in a book I was reading, and I don't even remember the name of what it was. I was mm-hmm. reading it in England, but it was talking about not holding back compliments and encouragement because a lot of people do that. And I used to do that. Mm-hmm. I'd walk by and think, yeah. oh, Kelly, your hair looks nice today, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't say anything. So now yeah. if I see you, I say, nice hair, you know, right. or some compliment. And, and I've started telling people or texting them if I think about them, hey, I was thinking about you, what a, how, you know, what a great person you are, what a great friend yeah. you are and such yeah. and such. And that actually helps me. And it also helps them because yes. I've had a few people say to me, you know what? I was really depressed today. I was at the point and then this really lifted me up to whatever. Right. So I think not holding back compliments and not holding back nice things. And and maybe sometimes if you have something nasty to say, do hold that back because I used mm-hmm. to not hold that back either, but reconstruct it to where it's constructive. And I think right. that's what's helped. You know, right. if I have to give someone bad news about what's going on in the bond market or the stock market, sandwich it with something good or some hope because right. there is some always right? right so so do that it's not always going to be good news uh and then manage expectations but mm-hmm. i think one of the bigger things is a lot of people you know and i'm not talking about people who are famous or in the public eye but mm-hmm. a lot of people do something great that goes unnoticed and i think we need to notice that you right. know um i have a um a system at the hotel that i developed that's a little different for the bonus system and it starts mm-hmm. with housekeeping Mm-hmm. especially now with COVID-19 and my housekeepers right now, they're, they're getting a 4.9 on cleanliness reviews on Expedia and they're at a 4.9. Now that's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. And I've been very, very particular because it's so important to have a clean hotel right now. If someone has to stay at a hotel, yeah. it better be clean and perfect and sanitized and they've done a great job. They're 4.9. So they're at the top of the bonus schedule. So we start with housekeeping first because that's the most right. important right now. Right. And then it goes to front desk, lounge. Da-da. If there's anything left, the manager and I will get something. Mm-hmm. but that's the way it's going to be. So I think acknowledging them and I'm not having turnover in housekeepers either. I'm keeping them not yes. because we pay more, but right. because I acknowledge the great job they're doing right. and they appreciate it. Right. And this, and so does management. So I think the thing is people go through life anonymous, too many people, and they're doing great stuff. That's not mm-hmm. being acknowledged and they don't feel mm-hmm. appreciated. Most of the time when people leave a job, it's because they're not appreciated. Pay is yeah. like the number five or six thing on the list. Right. Every job pays what it pays, right? You work somewhere and you have a server, your bartender, you get paid the same. Are you appreciated or not appreciated? And I think that's the thing that really resonates with people. And so many jobs now, they just don't appreciate anyone. So my goal is to make people feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. My wife's helped me with that. She mm-hmm. said, look, you know, have you complimented Have you complimented someone today? If you haven't, why haven't you? Have you not paid attention right. to what other people are doing? Have you, you know, and she's really pretty good at that, mm-hmm. um, which is why she probably has 250 close friends because right. of that, which presents its own <laughs> problems. But, but I mean, uh, you know, that, that's the thing that I think that's really helped me. And, and sometimes it, 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 it elevates you to elevate yeah. someone else, you know, not, yes. not to think of yourself first. It just elevates you that way. And you get more out of people right. um, that way as well. So um, you create a force, you create a force, yeah, you do, right? You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you feel better you know, yeah. for doing something for them and, mm-hmm. and they feel better and everyone mm-hmm. does. So I've tried to stop, you know, 
too much negative unless it's really necessary. But if I yeah. can't put a positive spin on it, I'm just not going to say anything. Right. And, uh, until I can think of a, a positive, and there always is one. Right. You know. Yeah. And uh, and sometimes I'm blaming people for something that's really my fault. I'm upset with mm-hmm. my assistant for something that I probably could have done mm-hmm. better. You know. Yes. So, uh I have know, to do so. that now that my adult children, like some of them, are here now, right um, yeah. from college, and I will say something, and I'll say I'm. I'm really correcting myself of what what I said that I don't really mean that I'm and I have to like, you know, thank goodness they're adults and I we yeah. can correct each other like that. And I could say I didn't really mean that that was more directed toward myself and I needed to hear it out loud for me to autocorrect. Yeah. yeah. But, and I'm sorry. It's not a bad thing either. I was wrong. Yeah. I yes. apologize for that. Yes. Once you apologize, if someone doesn't appre- you know, accept it, well, that's kind of on them at that point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, apologize and, and, ex- and, you know, despite what we sometimes see now and, you know, you know, be apologizing and being wrong is okay and saying right. I'm wrong. Right. And I, I even had to do that with my kids because sometimes I say yeah. something and I got mad and yeah. I probably didn't deserve it. Right. You know? So I'll say something to them. But, right. um, but anyway, that's, you know, we're all working through it. No one's perfect, but we're trying to do yeah. the best we can. Well, I you know? love that. And I, I, my biggest takeaway, because I love learning from um, all of the wise people that come on this program. And my biggest, I heard something that you said, and you said, if you want to be truly successful, where you, you know, um, collect the power in order to affect change for others, like to become a philanthropist, you mm-hmm. have to create something, you cannot work for yeah. someone else. And I, th- I have, of course, have heard that a hundred times and, and seen it, but I don't think anyone ever said that directly to me. So that's very inspirational for me. So I appreciate yeah, it's, that. It's actually, I just don't even know if it's possible. I don't know if you can give me an example of where it's possible, but mm-hmm. most of the time it, you have, because mm-hmm. no one's going to value you as the way you should right. be. They just right. won't. They, they, right. It's not in their business model. So you have to crack it and create your own. And I think right. that's especially especially important for girls to get that mm-hmm. because not enough girls are going into entrepreneurial pursuits and, right. and they need to they need to go that way. And yeah. they tend to be less risky, you know, and they're given the excuse as well, you're gonna have kids and maybe you're this and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. some of that's starting to change, but girls, I mean, I think they could be better managers than men. My my hotels mm-hmm. all women managers and also uh mm-hmm. My skyscraper, they're, and that not mm-hmm. only because they're the best, not because mm-hmm. they're women, but mm-hmm. they handle people better than the men I interviewed. So they got the job, and that's it. You know. Do you um, want to know the secret to that? It's because it? w- women don't get our way enough. Just like you said, yeah. like in skaters that don't win a lot are more successful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Women, especially women my age, we we are used to not getting what what we maybe want and we transform what we get into something that we want so we're teaching our daughters now that you don't have to wait you know it's it's not impolite to have desires you know it's not yeah yeah that's right mm -hmm. you know and and the other thing i mean things have changed whether people want to accept or not women are I think they're more enrolled in university now than men mm-hmm. are, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to be a bigger mm-hmm. part of the workforce. 53%, right? 53%, right? And and higher, they're moving on to higher positions. And, mm-hmm. and you know, thing, things are really changing. And, and you know, I, I told my daughter, and because, you know, she likes to talk about hypotheticals. Mm-hmm. Little kids started eight. Oh, well, when I get married, this and that. And I said, listen, when you get married, whatever he does, going to be a nice person. Mm-hmm. He's going to have something called a W-2 or a 1099. <laughs> He's going to, you know, and you're going to have a co-pilot. You're not going to have a first-class passenger. And yeah. I talk to her about that. And I say mm-hmm. that. She doesn't know what that means yet. She mm-hmm. will know that. Yeah. Because I think that's really important, you know, for, for everyone to, you know, contribute that way. Right. And um, right. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy to see how a lot of uh, 
walls have come down for a lot of mm-hmm. different things, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, girls being able to participate in anything they want to do. Right. Uh, gay people having, you know, not a big deal that they run Apple. Right. Right. Not a big deal. It's, it's a side note. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, that's that wouldn't have happened 25 years ago. Right. It's, it's, and now it's just not it's just not a thing. I mean, more they role models. Be, we have ro- ro- more role models out there. I don't think there's enough change, but I do think that they're there. You know, we have Barack Obama to to, I remember. I remember sitting at TGIF Fridays or whatever that restaurant is in Hackensack. okay, with Adam. And there was a young family across from us in a booth. And I it was about a week after the election and the Mm -hmm. Friday after. And um, they were a couple of color. They had a uh, a little adorable boy and in a like a booster chair. And mm-hmm. he was looking at the menu and I just like started crying in the booth. And Adam was like, what's the matter with you? And I said, he, that little boy is going to grow up thinking he could be president. Yeah. And I don't think right. like you understand, you, like you think, of course he could be president, but I grew up in a different no. time. And right. for me to see that little boy knowing that he's going to grow up knowing that that's possible was yeah. an overwhelming moment for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's good. It's good for everyone to know that that's possible. Yeah. Right. They yeah. can see that. So that's, that's the big thing. But I, I mean, that's my, my goal is to employ a thousand people. That's my right. goal. Right. And, and I might change that at some point. Probably if I get to a thousand, but that yeah. that's my goal. And then so in order to do that, someone who employs a thousand people, what do they do? They expand their empire. That's right. what they do. That's what right. you have to do. So then you work backwards from there. Right. Just like you said. Wow. So, um, well, I love that. Let's start at the end, work back, yeah. make it a win-win, um, mm-hmm. keep the other person in mind um, and create something new. So there yeah. are some great takeaways from uh, your illustrious career, both on and off the ice. And um, I hope I continue seeing you pop up in all of this uh, Forrest Gump. Did anyone ever call you the Forrest Gump of skating? <laughs> I don't know if it's just skating. I, I did different things. I mean, I mean, I, I have friends in different, you know, MMA Industries. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Different things yeah. like that. It's like, but I like people that are interesting, that are different and that aren't yeah. like me because yeah. I can get something from them, you know, yeah. um, and I can learn something from them. And I like to see people do well who are underdogs because I feel right. like I've been an underdog. Yeah. Um, I felt like Adam was an underdog too, yeah. going into you know last bit. Not a massive one, but a little bit of an underdog. Yeah. You know, at some point, I I don't think we could have foreseen. Well, maybe you could have, but the average person probably couldn't have foreseen how great he was going to be doing now, which mm-hmm. uh, we're proud mm-hmm. of, and mm-hmm. I'm proud to see him diversify into other areas too. I think that's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. But uh, anyway, I appreciate you having me on. Oh, well, thank you. And um, thank you for coming on to The Trophy Life and uh, sharing all of those awesome habits and and traits that you picked up along the way that now you're utilizing to the maximum. Thank you. Appreciate Mm -hmm. it, Kelly. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thanks. For more information on what influenced my trophy life, check out my new book, Parent Up, Inspire Your Child to Be Their Best Self available at all of your favorite bookstores. As always, you can find me on Instagram at krippon. For questions and comments and more information, check out my website, kellyrippon.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.